world. Here we are. Uh, oh, goodness me. <coughs> Good morning and welcome to KLE. That was a great start to the morning. <coughs> Choking on my my uh, omelette. Saliva. Uh, <laughs> great to have you with us again. This is KLE, the Kingdom Leadership Equipping. And uh, we are alive and well and uh, ruling and reigning in the earth. That's what I hope you are. Thank you for listening and hopping on to this episode with Steve and I, Stephen Marshall, Texas, and me in a little place called Mount Joy in Pennsylvania. Yes, it does have a train station as well. So um, really great to have you with us today. And um, we are a little late due to my own unforeseen circumstances that suddenly arose and took my attention, but we nonetheless are here and it's Saturday. So great to have you with us. And we are having a discussion again regarding kingdom leadership equipping. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Great to have you with us again. Great to have me with you too. <laughs> Last week was an awesome episode. And uh, so we trust God that um, that uh, people will get some inspiration again today and um, and uh, be challenged in their thinking, in their journey, in following Christ. Uh, I, you know, last night, well, actually, all of yesterday, I was really meditating and just thinking about this this episode. And what really came to me again is the simple fact that. What we're talking about, what you and I are talking about is kingdom leadership equipping. We're talking to people that is the, or are, not is, are the new um, generation of leaders. There's nothing new under the sun, but you and I are really looking to inspire a new generation of men and women, boys and girls, young and old, male and female, uh, wherever they are in the world, to actually rise up and be the leader. And a scripture that came to me again, and I thought, I, I just re it really just came to me in last night as I was meditating on this was, how important it is that we understand that we are the leaders and that we are called, and that's what you and I are doing, is doing the best that we can with what we have, where we are today to reach this generation and speak into their life and challenge their attitude, their concept, their paradigm, their mindset on how um, leadership actually conducts itself. This is not, this is not um, basic doctrine <laughs> podcast. We don't do, we don't, you know, this is not for, for the milk of things that yeah we we putting out the meat and and one Corinthians three came to me again and I, I would just like to read that from one Corinthians chapter three from the Message Bible and he says but for right now friends I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God you're acting like infants or babies in relation to Christ capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast well then I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast? Content only when everything's going your way. 
when one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, and another says, I'm for Apollos, aren't you being totally infantile? Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us. Servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the plants. But God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process, but God, who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You know, Stephen, that, that's what came to me again is just, you know, who is Paul and who is Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us, servants who waited on you as you gradually learn to entrust your lives to our master. And, you know, the, his master and my master, that's what Paul is basically saying. And I, and I thought to myself how important it is that we get back to that mindset again. I love you. You put a post on Facebook. Um, must have been, well, it was eight hours ago, so whenever that was. But the guy strutting down the platform as the associate pastor that gets a chance to preach, you know. And I, and I, I thought, yeah, that's so funny because that's exactly, I mean, it might not be visible outside, but oftentimes on the inside, you know, yes, here I am. You know, I'm the, I'm that, the, the, uh, what is it? The answer, the, the, right. the power for the, the question. Yeah. The answer to the question, nobody's asking. Yes. I'm, I'm, it. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the solution, man. That's it. I, I'm it, you know? And so that, this really stood out to me again is just, our whole attitude to, you know, whether we're leading small, because some people just, whether they're leading small or big, that, you know, that it's, it's like they've got this, they try and create a super spiritual kind of unreality about them and for, for whatever reasons, instead of just being real and authentic and transparent and vulnerable and just being who they are and who Christ has made them to be and, and sharing with people. There's kind of a, uh, not a fine line, uh, but, but Paul never calls himself a leader, even though he says an apostle, doubtless to some, yes. uh, but not to everybody. Yes. Uh, in other words, I've been sent to you, but not to everybody. And I have a certain measure towards you, but not toward everybody. Yes. Uh, but he always calls himself a servant, not only of of the people that he's going to, but a servant of Christ. And, you know, cause he calls Christ his master. So yeah. there's, um, um, the tough part, I guess, whenever we say leadership equipping, which, which it is because, you know, somebody's going to be following us. Somebody watches our life. Yeah. So basically you are leading. Uh, like it says, the definition of a leader is turn around and see if anybody's following you. Uh, you know, I mean, most of the time there are, there is somebody that's at least watching your life. Yeah. So, uh, but the, the, the key, like it says, um, like Christ even says concerning, don't do it as the Gentiles do it. Uh, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you the way to do this. And that's to be a servant of all. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I guess that's the heart. Uh, if, if, if indeed we're supposed to train up, train up disciples of Jesus Christ, then our, our purpose is to help them first and foremost, get the mind of Christ. And, uh, 
I guess that's the very, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, you know, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but yet became a servant to all. And I guess that's the, that's the, that's the thing I, I, because like in that picture I posted last night, you know, we see ourselves as this leader and for some reason or other it brings, because of our past, because of our nature, because of everything else uh, or our past nature, we have a tendency to think of leadership as being something that it's, that it might not really be right now. Yeah. And, uh, I think it goes to the definition. Sorry to interrupt you. Rather, no, no, no. Sorry, finish. No, no. It's a, converse, it's a conversation. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, is that the, 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 you see, the whole concept of, of leadership has been so distorted. Right, right. The, the, the Greeks and the Romans brought in this concept of, and, and of course, that's what the Roman Catholic kind of um, process picked that up, which was that, that leadership is the title, it's the position. Leadership is, in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a Chinese proverb that says, he who leads uh, with nobody following is not a leader. And that bothered me for many years because I, I you know, because the greater your leadership, the more people you have following you. And uh-huh. so I worked my guts out. I, when I first started the ministry, I mean, I put my family through hell because I worked myself to a standstill. I worked them. I, I was just like super, super driven. They called me the Nissan spirit because I, you know, Nissan, Nissan spirit. Yeah. yeah, Nissan. Yeah, the, the advert for Nissan is um, uh, we are driven, you know. And so, <laughs> so I was driving 18 hours a day, man. I would put in, I would work, I would visit, I would preach, I would teach, I would, I mean, I pray. We weren't allowed to go to the beach because I had to pray, you know, all day. And, and uh, well, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it was like, I was like way over the top. But, but because the only concept I had, the only thing that I had was, is that to be a leader, you've got to have people following. And if you haven't got people following, you're not a leader, which means you're not significant, which means you have no influence, which means you're not, you actually have got nothing to say, shut up and sit down, you know? Right, and, right. And, and so I re, I mean, if, if they came to me and they said, uh, Sean, you know what? I read the book of, of John. Well, then I would go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just because I had to always be that bit more than everybody else. You know, I, I was a leader. So for them to, re, you know, get, if we listened to 15 tapes. So I would listen to 1,500 tapes or 150 right. tapes. So, but See, what, so our, our, our perception of what a leader is probably has to be, the foundation of that has to be restructured. Well, exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, when I discovered what, what the concept, what the, what the Hebrew uh, concept of leadership really is, is that just in the, simple, in the simple fact when Jesus said, go into all the world, right. make disciples, the leader, being a leader is a verb. Leadership is a verb. It's not a it's, you know, leading is a verb. It's not, it's not positional. It's not a passive word. It means to do something, to take initiative, to be proactive. And when Jesus said go, just in that word, just in that concept is leadership. And so there's this discovery first of, of my value system, of my mission, of my assignment. What Paul says is that 
where does he say that? He said, we each carried out our servant assignment. Right there is leadership. And if you go to Matthew 23 and you go to Luke 21, I think it is, where Jesus spoke about, you know, that those that are the Gentiles and, you know, they want to be your benefactors. In other words, they do you favors and keep you oppressed and keep you under. And, uh, and he said, that's not to be so among you. Right. The, the greatest among you is to be the servant. The, 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 the most prominent is to be the least. Right. And that's how I've come. And Jesus was the greatest leader ever. And so just that whole concept of leadership, we have to have a renewal in our thinking. I know that people write all the time, you know, the Bible never speaks about leadership. It doesn't, but it implies, you know, is that people doing, doing things. In other words, you know, taking a mission, taking an assignment, taking and serving it to the body of Christ or serving it to the world, just by that inherently is a leader. Just, just thinking out loud right now. Of course, that's what I'm. I usually do on these things anyway. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, just even as Christ, mystery of marriage. Um, you know, uh, Christ. I show you Christ in the church. Look at the husband and the wife. Yes. The very first thing um, Christ does toward his bride, you know, toward us, toward his bride is he ever lives to make intercession for her. Yes. Okay. Right. If that's the case, then if I'm to take my example from Christ, just like Paul said, he says, I, I travail again in, in birth pangs until Christ be formed in you. Right. I mean, I'm travailing in this until, until the fullness and stature of the Messiah be formed in you. Yes. And, of course, that's what it says in Ephesians 2 for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Our whole purpose is to equip the saints till we all come to the fullness and stature of the Messiah or Christ. So if my whole purpose is to lay down, in fact, that's, that's another thing he does, too, toward his bride, is he lays down his life so that she can live. Yes. So if, if my... If I take on the mind of Christ, if I have the mind of Christ, it doesn't mean that I become the husband to that person. It just means simply that I'm doing the same things that Christ would uh, because that's, that's my nature now, you know, Christ in me. So if that's the case, then not only do I ever live to make intercession for you uh, or, or my bride, I, I'll just take it to my bride first, okay? I'm going to do it toward my wife and then... Once I do it toward my wife, I can do it toward other people. Right. But I ever live to make intercession for her. I lay down my life so that she can live. Uh, I came that she might have life and that more abundantly. And, um, you know, I came not to be ministered unto, but to serve or to minister. And you just look at just those four things. It's a whole different attitude than you know, come follow me, even though Paul said that, follow me as I follow Christ, his whole thing was, I'm going to show you how to be a son because of my sonship. Yeah. I'm going to show you how to do this, so just come follow me and just watch. Just like Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So watch my life. Watch how I work this. Watch what happens. Uh, like this morning, uh, uh, honestly, a lot of people like to get up early in the morning and, and pray and everything else, you know, and do their studies. 
frankly, this morning, I didn't want to get up. <laughs> I mean, last night I slept like a baby. I mean, I was up every hour crying. So, uh, you know, so, you know, I woke up this morning, I'm going, Oh, and I even, I even went to let the dog out this morning and she poked her head out from underneath the blanket and went, are you serious? Ready? Yeah. So, you know, so neither one of us were ready to go this morning. So in fact, she was looking at the coffee maker, hoping she'd get some. So anyway, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, as far as watching my life, sometimes my example isn't the greatest, but I thought, you know, if, if anything else, if, if I can do those things, even toward my wife, if I even just think of that one thing, I've come, I've been sent to her that she might have life and that more abundantly, first and foremost. Yeah. And then I come that I, I ever lived to make intercession for her. She's engraved upon the palm of my hand. She's the apple of my eye. Uh, I mean, you just look at all the things that Christ's bride is toward him, and, and you look, and, and that's what he believes about us as a husband, and that's what we are to represent so that people can, people can read our lives and go, that's what Christ and the church is supposed to be about. Yeah. That's how the relationship works. <coughs> you know, so anyway, I, uh, it, isn't, it isn't so much of trying to perform that, that's who he believes we are. Yeah, exactly. Because that's, that's who he made us to be. Yeah. And a lot of times we see ourselves as something completely different. And, and I guess that's the issue is, is the first and foremost thing is, is helping, these, helping this next generation see not only, number one, how to treat their wives, but then number two, how to operate then as a leader, first and foremost, in your own household. And that doesn't mean just run out there and, and beat them in the direction they're supposed to go. But that means follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to show you sonship. I'm going to show you how to do that. Did you know in the Old Testament that uh, a young man was not allowed to serve in the temple till he was about 27 or at least in his mid-20s? Really? And then by the time he was 50... He was never supposed to be able to, he was never supposed to work in the temple again, as far as lifting any heavy things. He was relegated to training the younger men. Yeah, there you go. And I thought, you know, at our age, you know, I'm 63 right now, and I think about my age, and I thought, you know, I, that is, my heart turned probably about a decade ago to not just out there ministering or out there flaunting my gift or trying to, you know, do whatever it is I do, but basically to train up the next generation. I mean, that's been my whole, that's been the whole thing that's turned in me. Yeah. And I thought, isn't that interesting how even in the old covenant, um, you know, the old priesthood, that's the way, that's the way it worked. You know, the older men started training up the younger men how to do it. Yeah. And uh, even though Paul continued his whole life, just showing people and instructing and everything, um, you know, he was still doing, he was still doing the work of the ministry and the, and the, you know, because I'm going to show you how to do this. Yeah. 
uh, just like it says in Ezekiel, show the house to the house of Israel. And if they be ashamed of their iniquities, then show them the patterns thereof and the forms thereof and the goings out and the comings in thereof and all the laws thereof and all the ordinance, <laughs> you know, it goes on and on. And, but show it to them. Don't just talk to them about it. Don't just teach it to them, but show them. And I th that, that struck me really strong as far as don't just, in, don't just teach it, you know, show them, yeah. show them the work that they must do. So, well, that's, you know, that's why leadership begins with you. I mean, it's, it begins with, before you can bring transformation to the public, you've got to have transformation in the private. So you've got to be, you have to experience the transformation within yourself. And that's one of the problems is that many times we, well, <laughs> frequently and commonly we have orphans trying to minister from the pulpit and uh, simply because they've not had their own transformation. I mean, like you, you know, God spoke to me in the 90s, the 97, somewhere around there, and said, I, I mean, I, I heard a, a story um, or a testimony about a very prominent minister here in, in the United States, and his, uh, he oversees a mega church, um, not, not as prominent as the, some of the latest ones are, but anyway, uh, his dad pastored a little church in Chicago, a little downtown church. And what happened was his dad died and his mom you know, called him and said, please to come and officiate the, the memorial service. Obviously he was going to be there, but he had to go and officiate. And so he went there and that night he walked into the little, the little uh, church that his dad um, pastored you know, the little building and he, he walked in and it was like dark. It was nighttime and he would wanted to just spend the last, you know, few hours thinking about his dad and whatever. And he tripped over something as he walked in the door and then he tripped again. And when his eyes adjusted, there were, there were young people laying all over the floor of this little building down wow. the aisles in the, in between the pews down at the front, all over the place. And it was young people that, his ministry, his life had touched over the years. And that even though it was a small, um, you know, ministry as such downtown, it was um, profound in its impact on another generation. Right. And it, when I heard that, something struck in my heart, Steve. I'm telling you, I wept for days. And, uh, and I... I began to cry to God and said, that's what I want to see more than anything in the world. That's what I want to see. I'm, you know, if, if it's all about my gift, then we might as well close the doors because there's other people more gifted. There's greater ministries. Uh, you might as well join somebody that is actually doing something that that's, you know, in that right. line of thinking is doing something impactful, but, but <laughs> you've got to find the transformation within, within who God's called you to be. Right. And that thing was like resonated so deeply with me. And I really sense God saying to me, I want you to train fathers to raise the next generation because there were none. I couldn't find anybody that was prepared to mentor. There was, and I use that word, um, but 
that was prepared to father, that was prepared to, without agenda, without bias, without their thing, just to invest in, in another generation to raise right. leaders, you know, that who, who experience transformation within themselves, the, right. the competence, the confidence, the capacity, the, 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 the consideration to raise another generation. They just, there wasn't there. And I looked, I went to, I went to spiritual, so-called spiritual fathers of the city. And I said, please get, get a group of young guys together. I'll be first to sit at your feet once a month for a day and just teach us what you know. And I said, I'm too busy. I said, this is ridiculous. Nobody, nobody. And I began to cry to God and say, God, you know, give me that, that I can raise another generation. But of course, the transformation has to happen in me first. I have right, to right. first ex- go through the process of establishing, you know, not me establishing, but having my sonship established, having my my paradigm changed, and right. then having fatherhood principles established within me, so that you know what what you see is what you what you need to get. You're not getting gifting you're not getting my ministry you're not getting my agenda but you're actually getting the heart of the father that we represent like jesus and reflect the heart of the father to to people and i believe that's the process process of leadership you know is that you otherwise all we're doing is is raising up another generation of ministers Otherwise, exactly. Another generation of orphans, you know, it just, right, right. We, we're reproducing orphans. We're reproducing, you know, the, the, the strutting stuff. And, and the thing about it is that just what you're saying is that if I step into a, into a position, even if it's a home meeting and I've got a bunch of people together and I strut my stuff there, guess what? There's, there's five other people sitting there that are looking at you. They're going to want to strut their stuff as well. Because they want to be just like you. <laughs> but when you come in and, and you have a heart of a mom or a, and the heart of a dad, and you're reflecting the father's heart, you're not trying to be the father. Right. That's the important thing is, you know, we are not the heavenly father. Right. We are not Christ. We are not, you know, nobody, in fact, Jesus said in Matthew 23, he said, let no man call you teacher because there's only one. And they let no man call you leader because there's only one. <laughs> so it's not about being called that or positioning yourself as that, because as the Pharisees and the scribes did, but but to come in reflecting who Christ is, reflecting the heart of the Father, and representing the Father to them, so that they will gravitate to Him, not to you. And I think that right. that's really what's been on my heart, you know. All of right. Because you don't you don't make disciples. Even though it says, I want you to go forth and, and make disciples of all nations, it isn't that I'm out there discipling people. And that, that I know that might be semantics for a lot of people, uh, just, just a simple thing of semantics. Uh, but to me, it, it was in a very important time in my life when I realized that I'm not just discipling people, which means I'm not just teaching, instructing them, and basically they're going to end up looking like me at some point. Yeah. The, the thing is I'm making disciples of Christ. The very first and foremost thing is that like we were talking about last week about the fire, never going out again in the temple Yeah. to get them to the place where they realize that their need for the heavenly father is so strong Mm 
that they cannot live, they cannot breathe without being in his presence. I had a young man call me up uh, yesterday (coughs) from South Carolina and uh, he was, he was talking about this very subject. He says, you know, the, the fire is great, but a lot of times we try to give out the fire. We think it's something that, you know, fires us up so we can go out and minister or go out and do something else. But he says, the fire is, a, is, like a, is like a love. It's a burning desire for your heavenly father. It's a burning desire for exactly. Christ. Yeah. It's a burning desire for that. And he says, if we can somehow get, get the next generation or get, get people around us to catch that fire, catch that love, you know, burning with that first love once again, um, you know, for Christ, then we will have that. Everything else will fall into place. Otherwise, all I'm doing is learning a series of principles and how to be a leader or how to be a son or how to be a whatever. And he says, without that, without that key ingredient of that ever all consuming love and passion for him, um, everything else will just, will, because all it is, is just knowledge. Yeah. And we're going to end up giving people just a piece of mind as opposed to, as opposed to the very heart and nature of our father. Yes. So anyway, that was yeah. It really got to me. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think that's what you know. I, that's what I was really thinking about yesterday. Is just meditating on is that what what are we trying to? What message are we trying to? I mean, there's a lot we can convey, and but really, uh, the core thing we're trying to convey in kingdom leadership equipping is just the paradigm or the the heart, the attitude of the, the of leadership today within the context of of where the church is supposed to be and how the church is supposed to be affecting the culture of our day, the society, the, the, the world of our day. And that, that is, that's my challenge. That's my passion. That's because we're not leading right now. We, we in fact are having, we've been influenced by the mindset of the world, the culture of the world, how they lead, how they think the ethics their, their conditions, their requirements, we're being led by them. And we're not leading with a kingdom mindset. We're not leading with, with the understanding of what Jesus communicated to us and wants us to lead by. But we're not leading with the value system of the, of, of the kingdom of God. And that's really what it is, is that discipleship is an impartation. It's not information. You know, it's like one guy came and sat and he said, oh, you must teach me, he was from Europe, you must teach me everything you know about apostolic and fatherhood and sonship. And I said, I said, uh, well, how am I supposed to do that? You know, he goes, well, write a book. And I said, you know, the only problem with a book is, is that there are many books. But I said, the problem is, is you'll take the book and you will use it to control people. And I that's everything that goes against my constitution and the kingdom's constitution. I said, why don't you come and sit with me for a couple of weeks and, and just let's talk, let's just put up our feet and talk through things, talk through, through, 
you know, what we know, what we see, what we've experienced as far as the word of God is concerned, not our experiences, but what we've experienced of God, what we've experienced of the Father, what we've experienced of the Son, so that an impartation takes place rather than me just giving you information. Information breeds arrogance. You know, it, it just, it doesn't work. And right. uh, he got all upset and, and uh, yeah, turned on me later, but because <laughs> he got so offended with me. But that's, you know. Well, there's a big difference between bringing up ministers, once again, and sons. If uh, Ministers will operate by information. Yeah. And they'll try to, uh, they're going to always represent the mother or the, the church or the whatever it is, the organizational structure they came out of. That's what a minister is going to yes. do. Yes. But, but a son is going to represent his father. And yes. I guess that's where, as far as what we're dealing with, is we're dealing with sons and, and realizing they're not our sons. They are the sons of God. Yes. And how do you deal with the son of God? How do you bring up a son of God to represent his father? How do you do that? You know, what do you, what, where do you start in that? And that's been, I mean, it's, it's not an issue for me. It's just, it's just, it, it differs or it varies from person to person because of the foundation that they already have. Right. So a lot of times you have to go in and you've, you've got to find out what their foundational structure is. And really you mess with their foundation. And uh, you, you help them restructure that with, most of the time without them even knowing you're doing that. Yes. And, but that's the thing. You see, that's, that's what I began to understand. That's why I studied mentoring because I began to understand the, the, the whole concept of being a father mentor. Now, in the world, of course, this, you know, one guy challenged me on, on, again, the semantics of the two words, you know, and I said, well, I don't look at it as two separate things. I see it as one thing. We being, it's easy to, to make children. It's easy to just be around as a dad, but it's another thing to father children into their full potential. That's, that takes a lot more. And we have, and that's what, what the whole Hebrew mindset was. The whole concept of the Jewish mindset was, was to, to be that. They raise children on purpose to fulfill an assignment. They don't just, children are not just left to themselves unless they, you know, not, I, I don't want to get into that. But your normal community, your normal Hebrew mindset was that. And, right. Can and, you hear me? Did yes. I mean? Okay, I thought I muted myself. No, no, I can hear you fine. So, so we need to first understand that every person is an individual. You don't right, right, and, and that's leadership. So, so when you, I'm, and I, I refer back to leadership because we need to understand that concept. Is that every to engage people is we need to understand people are individuals with individual personality with individual character and now we we begin to shape and fashion their their mindset with through and their worldview through the values of the kingdom of god through the truths through the principles of god's word of god's constitution of the of his whole approach it yesterday well not yesterday when was it sometime i did a podcast this week i think but but leadership is 80% attitude, 80% and attitude comes from how we perceive things and only 20% skill, but we've, we've made a 80% skill and 20% attitude. 
And we need to flip that around and understand that our investment into people, that I see that, that's lead, um, uh, discipleship to me, is an investment into people. But right, right. what am I imparting if I don't have anything? If I'm still an infantile at the breast saying, I'm of this one and I'm of that and, you know, I have this gift and I'm of this and, you know, if we right. have that. I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I'm of this. You know, yeah. I'm a pastor, I'm an evangelist, and, and you know, and so I don't do this, and I have that, and this is my thing, and whatever else, and, and they go, you know, what we're doing is we're still acting not as servants, not as ministers by whom people believe, and that means there is an impartation of something. What we're still doing is is growing this whole thing wrong. We still got this focus on our spirituality, our ministry, how great we are, how anointed right. we are, and it's not about that. I love that's what Paul and Apollos Paul says. Just what you were saying earlier, Steve, is that you know is that we are not there to make people grow. It says God gives the growth. Right. We do. We serve them the menial task of what we've been assigned on, on a minimum, menial salary. He goes wage, but the, what makes it phenomenal is we're working for God. You know, and right. by by bringing the kingdom to people's lives. I mean, that is huge. You know, that is absolutely huge. You know, the um, Ezekiel forty-four, a uh, long time ago. I guess, man, this has been 40 years ago uh, when I first got a hold of uh, Ezekiel 44, or it got a hold of me, I guess. <laughs> and um, he, be he begins by talking about the sons of Zadok. <laughs> sons of Zadok, um, it kept the ward, it says, kept the ward of the court or ward of the temple uh, for the sake of God. And it says that the, mainly those those priests or those sons of Zadok, they wouldn't put any anything of of wool on their bodies at all, uh, just linen, so that there was no sweat at all uh, right. in the temple. Uh, they even did that on their heads. You know, the little turban or the little whatever it is they wore on their head uh, was always of linen, so that there was no there was nothing that caused sweat. And it says because because they kept my Ward, because they ministered unto me, I'm going to let them continue to minister unto me for the rest of for the rest of their days, basically. Yeah. But he said these other guys who keep on doing uh, their own thing and trying to trying to just minister, he said, I'm going to go ahead and let them minister unto the people, whatever it is they minister. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to continue to let them just keep ministering to the people. Because, and I thought, why would he do that if, if the whole purpose was is to, is to use these guys who are the sons of Zadok? Now, he calls the other ones just priests, but these guys he called the sons of Zadok because their, their heart was holy toward the Lord. And he says, because of that, I'm going to cause them to minister in my sanctuary. I'm going to cause them to minister unto me day and night. And I thought, you know, that's, that's, was a, a, a dichotomy actually in the priesthood at that point in time saying, this is, these are the guys that are my chosen. These other guys are the ones, in fact, it even says that these are the priests that you have chosen. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and let them continue to minister unto the people. 
and minister and help them and help them do whatever it is they do and help them sacrifice their sacrifices and help them do all this stuff. But these guys over here, I'm going to continue to let them minister in my sanctuary and minister unto me. And that, it called me to a different place in my life to where I'm not ministering unto the people. My first and foremost thing as a leader, even whatever it is, if I'm not ministering unto Christ, if I'm not ministering unto my father, if I'm not in that place of worship and intimacy in myself, how in the world am I going to lead anybody into that? Well, exactly. exactly. And that, that was the key thing for me. That's why it was so, uh, I guess, in that time in my life to, to see the difference, be, even in the old covenant, to see the difference in priesthood to where these guys are continually now going to minister in my court, in my sanctuary, in my, because they're ministering unto me. And that, that became a lifestyle then to minister unto him as opposed to just ministering to the people. And that's basically, if I'm going to, if I'm going to say to you, follow me as I follow Christ, that is my purpose because you see Christ even pulling himself away uh, in the middle of the night or in the wee hours of the morning or whenever, just to commune with his father. He couldn't live without that. And so that's, that's, a, that's a mind of Christ that somehow, uh, it's not a matter of working that in somebody. It's, I guess, once again, it's showing them, showing them the work that they must do, showing them how to do this, showing them what it is, showing them our sonship, showing them. And it's not, it's not that we do it for show. It's just, that's just who we are. Well, that, that, that's the thing is, you know, again, leadership is 80% of who you are and 20% right. of what you do. Right. And so, you know, Stephen Covey says, you know, who you are speaks so elegant, you know, elegantly that uh, way beyond what you say or what you do. And right. Speaks profoundly. It's so loud that people actually cannot hear what you say or see what you do because of who you are. Right. If the two don't align, then there's something wrong. Huh? Right. Right. Yeah. I can talk to you all I want about the ministry of Christ and I can go to all sorts of, I mean, to about, uh, intimacy with Christ and I can talk to you. I can go to all these different, um, all these different seminars and, and, and whole week long conferences and stuff on prayer. But if I don't spend the time in intimacy, what good do all those books and conferences do? Well, exactly. And, um, you know, even to sit down and, and uh, I guess that's the thing, too. To come to give somebody life, that means that there's got to be something in the well. And it says that we're to minister out of that. Uh, we are a well. It doesn't say minister out of, but I'm a wellspring of living water. If that's the case, to, to even give anything out of this well, the well has to be full. Well, exactly. So it, it comes out of, out of who you are. So out of the abundance, out of the overflow of your development and your growth, um, your journey, your intimacy, your worship, that's how people get affected. So right. the overflow of your understanding, Jesus said, you know, to you it's given to know the mysteries or the, 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 the keys of the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom. And so if we don't know, in other words, if we're not intimately uh, 
what's the word, engaged with, if we're not intimately acknowledging, having imparted to us the, the, the keys of the kingdom, what are, we impo- what are we passing on? Right. And, and who, who imparts those things to us is important as well. Right. It's not just us being about being influencers, but who's influencing our thinking? What is being imparted to us? What is, what is being invested in our lives? Where are we spending time? The thing, as a leader, you're like a seed. You're born, you know, they ask, often ask, are you born or you're made a leader? Well, you're both. Because we were created with, with that, that whole uh, ability, that capacity, the DNA within us to be kings and priests unto God, to, to uh, rule and reign, to have dominion in, in life. And so we're born with that inside of us. But it, like a seed, if you take a, when I was in Malawi, I, I traveled around Malawi sharing on this, and I took a, a, an avocado pear seed, you know, avo seed, uh, pip, and I, I got them to clean it up and dry it up and stuff. And I put it on, on, on the podium and I said, hey, if this, will this, does the seed, well, actually I asked them, what do you see when you see the seed? And they all said, uh, we see, we see a, a avo pip. And I said, what else do you see? They said, we see a tree. I said, great. I said, but that's not big enough. I said, within that tree, within that pip, within that seed, is a tree that bears fruit, and that fruit will bear other trees. So I see a forest. I see an orchard in there of avos that people can come to eat of the the real, the authentic, not imitation stuff. But what does it take for a seed to actually grow? You cannot put it on a shelf. You can put it on a shelf with a light on it. Nothing happens. You can display it to the world. It just stays a seed. But if you put it in the ground where it's hidden, where it gets the nourishment, where it gets the, the moisture, where it gets the right pressure, it gets the right heat. Uh, all the conditions are right. It begins, Unless it falls to the ground and dies, yeah. it abides alone. <laughs> exactly. So it gets consumed nearly from, by the ground and by all these conditions, the right conditions, and it begins to then grow and flourish and right. bears real fruit. And, I, and you know that's been... The passion of my heart is to see real fruit, not, not you know, religious fruit. <laughs> We're not called to be religious. We're called to bear real fruit. And, and um, you, I've known a lot of religious fruits. Yeah, man, me too. I, I've had religious <laughs> fruit. I've eaten religious fruit. I've born <laughs> religious fruit, and I cut down the tree, and I said, that's it. I'm going to start again. You know? And, and the, the thing about it is, is that no tree, you know, as it's growing, is going, uh, I believe I'll bear fruit. I believe I'll bear fruit. You don't, you don't walk past a tree and hear, I believe I'm, I'm bearing fruit. I be, look at me. I'm a great fruit bearer. Come and taste me. I'm a great. It just bears the fruit and you begin to look at it and go, wow, man, that fruit really looks good. But when you get there and it's imitation, you just never go back again. If it's, right. if it's not real, it, people don't come back again. But when it's real, when it's authentic, when, it, when it's grown out of, out of, the, out of their very depths of its development from from that seed form into into bearing this good fruit people eat it they love it they return they keep coming back time after season after season because it bears the real fruit and it doesn't have to try it just bears it right so, yeah, because it, it's who it is exactly 
So our, you know, us being raised and us being you know, discipled in that sense is having the right input, the right, the right conditions, the, the right measure. Paul says, man, I, you know, I'm the one that sets the design. Apollos builds the wall, but who are we? You know, nobody, not nobodies, but we, we're not in that. We're no big deals. You know, it's like, why are you trying to make us to be the big deal? And I, I came down to, you know, we've got to stop trying to copy people, learn from people, but don't copy them. Learn from people, but don't imitate them. Right. Imitate Christ, you know, spend enough time with your father until you can really represent him. Really you know that um, that step one two three uh, type of thing that we like we like to get kind of a formula going, um, and a lot of people you know say well if it's leadership then there must be some sort of a, a pattern or a way to do it. Uh, I guess the pattern of Christ is unless the seed fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. And and I've just noticed that working with people, the very first thing that I begin to watch for is where their old dream, their old vision, their old whatever, or their, the old way of thinking continues to live. Yeah. And you, you help them, uh, not just crucify that, uh, but it, it, like Paul says, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Yes. You, you help them bury that thing. So that when it comes up, it doesn't come up the same way as when it went down, 1 Corinthians 15. Yes. You know, it comes up with newness of life. It comes up different than when it went down. Yeah. And uh, it comes up in a new and living way as opposed to the way that you thought it was supposed to be. And that's, I guess that's one of the very first things that whenever, you know, you start working with somebody or start, you, you and this is, I'm just talking for me now as far as what I, what, how the how the father works with me through this stuff okay uh, just watching in in other people how what's still living that isn't supposed to live and what's still dead that's supposed to be alive right. because there's a lot of things you know like last week he says i've i've said lazarus come forth now you lose him and let him go there's some things that they're still wearing the grave clothes in that they're supposed to be resurrected in yeah. There's supposed to be a newness of life they're walking in, right. but there's some things that are still alive that do need to be mortified or, or dead. And, and they don't, they're still living in that and trying to live in that when actually that's, that's the very thing that's bringing death wherever it is they're going. Right. And they don't even know it. They think it's the life because that's what they've been trained yeah. in the past. Well, exactly. So that's the paradigm that's been established. That's the mindset. That's the way. And so it, right. it's reproduced and reproduced, and it doesn't bring life. Right. And, and I'll give you an example. Yeah. And this is, just, this is just a very simple thing. I think, I feel, I believe. Okay? We say that so often. And the reason I used to do it is because I didn't want to presuppose that I was standing in front of any, anybody speaking for the Almighty God. I was trying to do it in kind of a noble way, you know, or a, a, I don't know what you would say, uh, but a place that I didn't look so arrogant. Well, well, you know what, really, I think. As soon as I say I think or I feel I believe, that opens it up to anybody else 
having an opinion as well. And it doesn't mean that I'm shutting down an opinion. Either I'm speaking for Christ or I'm not. Yep. And the very first thing that, that, um, that he began to do in me. And so that's why I, I have a tendency to watch for that on other people, uh, that, that the Lord's given me around to work with. If they start, if they're talking, I think, I feel, I believe, uh, who are you testifying of when you say that? Yeah. Well, you're not testifying of Christ. And it says he who testifies of himself seeks to glorify himself. And so I've sent him not. And so you think about that and you go, well, if, if they're coming, if they're coming in their own name, I think, I feel, I believe they're not coming in the name of Jesus Christ. And I know that's something so simple, but yet I want them to understand just like I had to go through and understand I'm not sent on my own behalf. I'm sent to represent a king from some other nation, from some other country, some other kingdom that's, that's here to change the course and lives of our thinking and to expand his kingdom here. If that's the case, then I'm here to represent him and I'll speak for him. I'm not here to speak for myself or represent myself. You know, as you've said so often, uh, and quite eloquently, I may add, that, you know, about the ambassadors. You know, an ambassador for, for the Queen of England doesn't come over here to the United States and start spouting her own opinions. You know, they, they, will, they will speak for the Queen of England, and whenever they speak, it's as though England itself has spoken. Yeah. So it's not, it's, not a matter of, it's not a matter of just, well, I, I can't say I think I feel I believe. No, it's not, it's not so simple as that. It's something, it's something it, probably more simple than that. Who do I represent? Who, whose name am I coming in? You know, who, who am I here for? I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'm not here to give you what I think you ought to do. I'm here to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me show you, let me show you what it is that he wants to do. Let me show you him. And if it's, if, you check it out and see if it be of God or not. You know, I don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. I'm just going to speak as it were the oracles of God, as it says in Peter. You know, just, just speak for crying out loud. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to qualify it. You don't have to disqualify it. You don't have to, you don't have to um, uh, make it uh, um, somehow lead in with anything else. Uh, in other words, I've been in prayer for the last 48 hours, and, and the Lord just told me, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't have to qualify anything anymore. You just speak for God. Yeah. You speak for your Father. And I guess in simplicity, just to watch for that in people's lives, who do you represent? You know, to, to change that whole mindset, I'm not here for myself. I'm here to represent Christ. So to help them, to help them uh, mortify the deeds of that is, is quite a process a lot of times because they are so used to disqualifying or qualifying or whatever uh, because they want to look more spiritual or, the, or you know, whatever the reasons are. Yeah. They've just trained themselves or been trained that way. <clears throat> and so it's changing a whole foundation in somebody's life. And once again, most of the time without them realizing that you're doing it. Well, and, that's, in, that's exactly right. 
Well, you know, to, to just close off, I, I'm just uh, looking again at the scripture and it says, who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us, servants who waited on you as you gradually learn to entrust your lives to our mutual master. Right. And, you know, I think, I think Steve, you know, to, to the listeners and the audience today is two things. One is that you've got to entrust your life to the master. You know, people, I, I'm so grateful. I never built my relationship with God on men. In, in fact, from, from early in my Christian walk, in my, my in following Christ, you know, the Lord has sort of weaned me off people uh, because of what I went through, uh, being rejected and disappointed and all the rest of it. I learned to focus on my relationship with Christ and, and with my and, and with my Father through Christ, and and I'm so grateful for that. And and I want to say it's not not because people are bad and not because we don't need people or, or we don't need the relationships or or that we don't need their input. I'm not talking about about this independent mindedness that we don't need anybody, uh, even though at times you feel like that, but that's not what it's talking about is that we gradually learn to entrust our lives to the master. And, and the other side of that is that as servants who wait on people to bring them to that place, if we keep that as the focus of our lives, whatever, whatever process God has is taking journey is taking us on to in fact have that is one is that we've got to constantly be growing in and in, in trust of our lives to the master. And secondly, is that we need to be those that wait on others so that they can entrust their lives gradually to the master, not to us, we're not trying to drag people's attention to us. Discipleship in its inherent DNA, in its inherent gene, if you may, is in fact making them followers of Christ, making right. them citizens right. of the kingdom of heaven. And again, what, what you were saying, Steve, is we can't make them, but we facilitate, in a sense, their growth into maturity so that they move beyond this infantile place <coughs> into to step into the place where they are God's field and God's husbandry and God's building that he's building. And so they reflecting him. That's what the building does. It reflects who the true master architect is. And, right. And, and that's the important element in this whole thing. I really believe. So um, thank you again for everybody being with us. Thank you, Steve, for being with us this morning and really appreciate you all thank you for hopping on hey please give us a a subscribe a like a share hop on to apple um itunes give us a review if you give us a review it moves us bumps us up um to move beyond all the noise of hundreds and hundreds and thousands of of uh, podcasts that are actually doing nothing um, but we are here regularly every week coming on to to share the gospel of the kingdom with you. And so please give us a review. Please give us a subscribe. And uh, hey, remember, send us your questions, your comments, your, uh, your uh, input 
um, or your review or just to say we love to hear you we, we'd love to hear have you just tell us where you're from um, it's it would be really great to have I mean we, we've got from England we've got from the United States we've got from Africa people listening all around the world so it's really great to to have all the audience with us Steve have a super weekend and oh, you too thank you buddy and to all our listeners have a super blessed weekend remember you are the rulers you are you have dominion you are the kings the real kings in the earth um under the one king jesus christ all right so until next time until next week have a good one and this is sean and steve signing out and saying god bless you